Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Le climatwandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. Christmas is coming. The geese are getting fat. And the turkeys, and the pigs, and the carp, and me sooner or later for that matter. Welcome to Food for Europe. And in this festive edition, we're tucking into a menu in which sustainability, quality and tradition are choices for everyone to enjoy. For many of us, Christmas means gastronomy, favourite dishes from Europe and sometimes beyond that we tend to eat but once a year. For those producing our food, Christmas means a mad rush to satisfy demand and to ensure we can buy what we're looking for in time for the big day. And it's not just food. Before we start our Christmas meal, let's go to the Ardennes. Did you know that Belgium produces four million Christmas trees a year? Imagine decorating all of them. Every year, we plant between 15 and 20,000 Christmas trees, so every year we have more or less that number that can be harvested. We have 25 hectares of Christmas trees on a farm of 90 hectares. Anne-Sophie de Wouters owns a farm that offers people the chance to select a tree, chop it down and take it home, what's known as choose and cut. Here, sustainability is more than just a word. It's a way of life. We don't use pesticides and we don't use chemical fertilizers. We're beyond organic farming. We're an agroecological farm, so we try to avoid any treatment, even organic. We do that to promote ecosystems, so we separate the trees with flower beds, we plant clover beneath the trees, and we prune them so that the wind can circulate, which prevents fungus from growing. The average tree that our visitors cut is around two meters in height, so a cost of between 35 and 40 euros. We're labeling our trees this year, not only as organic, but as fair price. This is a label in the Wallonia region that properly reflects the cost of growing and harvesting the tree and enables us to make a living. And through this, other families also make a living. We employ temporary workers in this period and indeed year-round to look after the plantation. They are all locals, and it's important for us that this activity supports them too. So, we know where we'll be getting our tree. Come on, let's sit down together for a Christmas meal. Our starter is coming all the way from the French Atlantic coast, and serving it to us is Laurent Chiron. So this is an oyster farm which belonged to my grandfather and my father, now me and hopefully perhaps my children too. We're in Charente-Maritime, which is between Nantes and Bordeaux, on the west coast of France. This village here is one of 27 villages that together are renowned for many years for the farming of oysters, the famous Marraine Oléron oysters. Depending on their size, oyster farmers make between 50 and 80% of their annual turnover in two weeks. Between the 15th and the 31st of December, it's a crazy time. 
At the moment we're getting ready. We removed our oysters from the beds in September, October. We sorted them and then we placed them in the ponds to mature. Now we're starting to remove them. Oyster farmers will double, triple or quadruple their workforce temporarily to package the oysters so they can be dispatched. Laurent is president of the Association of Marraine Oloron Oyster Producers. And we're not talking here about any old bivalve, but one that carries a protected geographical indication, or PGI, under European Union law. It means that the product has been produced in a certain way and in a certain place. The PGI refers to both a legally defined geographical area and to a legally defined way of cultivating the oysters. Our oysters carry the designation above all for consumers. Those eating our oysters know that it's a product that is traceable, verified and complies with the whole list of requirements and the result is quality. That's what the PGI means. What's special about this region is the way the oyster is finished after three and a half years of growing. Most oyster farmers will then send their product to be sold. But we mature the oysters in ponds, in what used to be the salt marshes. So that's the unique character of the PGI of Marin-Oléron oysters, this finishing in the ponds, which has a clear effect on its taste. It's less salty, a bit less iodized, it's less harsh, it's not from the open sea, it's matured, it's just the same way as wine or cheese. And how should we enjoy our oysters at our Christmas dinner table? In France, we tend to eat oysters raw. And they should be eaten, in my opinion, naturally, to really enjoy the taste of the oyster. Then, if it's your liking, you can enjoy some of them, perhaps with pepper or with vinegar and shallots. But please do try to eat a couple of them without adding anything to really enjoy the taste. You should chew it gently, don't just neck it, chew it gently to release the aromas. So how many did you have? A dozen? Two dozen? And did you manage to cut your hands to shreds opening our oysters? Oh, it's just me, is it? Well, Francis Fay joins me now. He's the head of unit for geographical indications in DG Agri at the European Commission. Welcome, Francis. Hello, Stephen. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Why does the Commission place so much importance on protected geographical indications like our oysters from Marraine Oleron? These names um, represent uh, the value, the local value, and through the European system, we protect those names, local value, at European level. And uh, then the consumer is getting a guarantee of authenticity, that they know not only that the product has come from the place, but it's been made according to that specification, and it's presented to the consumer in the way the producer wants it to appear. What you get is the genuine product. Well, stay with me, Francis, for the main course. The centerpiece of our table is a turkey, native to North America, brought to Europe 500 years ago. No, not this turkey. I mean turkeys in general. And a firm favourite at Christmas, not least because it's several meals in one. Turkey sandwiches, anyone? Turkey curry? Turkey lasagna is surprisingly good. 
But for Christmas, it's roast turkey on the menu, or to be more precise, it's very uh, British traditional roast in the oven with uh, gravy, parsnips, stuffing, sausages, roast potatoes. Julia and Wesley are butchers in Brussels, selling top-end meat to consumers with vastly different tastes at Christmas. I'd say at least fifty percent of our clientele are British, Irish, um, some Americans, and so it's very traditional turkey. Whereas the Belgians are not so traditional, they'll have turkey one year, maybe capon another, maybe venison. They change it up more. Whereas we like to stick to the traditional turkey or goose. And just as for our oysters, when Wesley's talks turkey, we're talking a special breed with unique characteristics called Kelly Bronze. Julia is something of an evangelist for Kelly Bronze, both in terms of taste and sustainability. They just simply taste nicer than any other turkey I've ever had. They're juicy. They have loads of flavour. They're not dry. They cook really fast. Quality is incredibly important, um, and animal welfare. Um, so these are turkeys that are a natural old breed. Uh, they're very slow growing. So and their chicks are born in spring, and so they grow slowly during the year to be ready to be killed in December for Christmas. Um, they are in their natural habitat. They can eat what they want because, as, as well as the feed they're given, they can forage. They can find berries and nuts. They have loads of space to exercise, which um, gives more flavour because their muscles are being used. They have more fat. Wesley's used to source its turkeys from Essex in the United Kingdom. Trigger warning: you'll hear the B word. Since Brexit, it's a complete nightmare to bring anything over. I've only ever I've tried bringing dry goods, and it involved about twenty-seven emails with four different people and loads of paperwork. And to bring any meat over is incredibly complicated and much too risky, especially at Christmas. And then about a month and a half ago, I was speaking to the guys at Kelly Bronze in Essex, saying that I really want to be able to do this is there no other way how have you got have you managed to get things over to Europe and they said they put me in touch with a guy in Holland and since last year he started importing chicks and raising them on his farm in Holland and so it's the exact same specifications you know same food say the nature looks the same they have the same amount of space and he's you know learned how to do the whole process of the killing the dry plucking which is incredibly important for Kelly bronze and to let them hang for 7 to 14 days to enhance the flavor so in terms of its environmental impact turkey at least extensively farmed slow growing turkey is a sound sustainable choice Francis, is sustainability a big issue for Christmas foods in general? Well, indeed, um, uh, Stephen, there's a, there's a there's a bit of a contradiction here, isn't there? Because Christmas is traditionally the time of excess, and sustainability is, of course, about uh, making sure we keep those resources and uh, we don't overeat and we don't throw too much away. The information we get is that consumers want authenticity and are prepared to pay for it. And they want to know how the product uh, they're asked to buy has been produced. Consumers are also 
uh, obviously looking for sustainability uh, in production and in every aspect of the the food chain, whether it's packaging or it's uh, the use of uh, uh, that is transport or the use of materials or the farming of the raw materials that went into the product. Well, talking of raw materials, I'm not sure I've got room for much more, but Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without something chocolatey. This time of year is the busiest and most lucrative for Pierre Marcolini, one of the most prominent chocolatiers in Brussels. The Christmas period, I would say, for all chocolatiers in Europe is 20 to 25% of turnover in 10 days. So it's a big challenge in terms of raw materials, logistics, workforce planning. It's a stressful time. It's an unmissable moment, a precious moment. What people want really is to discover different chocolates, chocolates that are a labour of love. So the challenge at this time of year is to make chocolates that resonate across the generations. We'll always be able to fall back on the classics, caramels and nuts. The nuts come from Piedmont, the almonds are from Portugal, from Spain. We also use oranges when we're making confit and they come from Sicily, or we use lemons from the Amalfi Coast. That's why I talk about European chocolate and not just Belgian or French chocolate. For Maison Marcolini, sustainability, transparency and paying cacao producers a fair price are at the heart of its approach to making chocolate. A dialogue with our cacao growers is for me essential to find out how exactly what type of cacao beans we're going to have is important. No glyphosate and no child labour in the cacao plantations. We also work with native cacao plantations, which means plantations that have existed for some time. Plantations now produce in 18 months what they used to produce in five years. It's a bit like the red tomato. The redder it is, the prettier it is, but it's not necessarily any tastier. Then our job is to work in Brussels with the dried beans. We work with this wonderful product which just needs one thing, to be awakened. That's what roasting does. Roasting is the soul of a chocolatier. Mm, sustainable chocolate. What's not to like? I'll have another one, please. Time now to exchange gifts around our tree. But it's not easy to select one tree from 20,000. Hello, we've come to choose a tree. We'd prefer an ornament between 1.75 and 2 metres. Caroline, Jan and four of their six children have come to choose and cut. That type of tree, the Nordman, they're behind you. I'll give you a saw here. Happy cutting. You need to cut always at the same point, my love. I've had enough. Great, we have a tree. The cutting is not the hardest part. It's carrying the tree away. Well, they must be feeling sore after all that. Francis Faye from DG Agri. Before we go, a final word from you for our listeners on Food for Europe this Christmas. Well, Christmas is uh, primarily a time for family and friends. Uh, the word companion in 
many languages, including in English, means someone with whom you break the bread, uh, someone with whom you eat. Uh, and so I think at the message at Christmas time is to concentrate on those human connections, the family and friends, uh, very conscious, of course, that we cannot see as many people as we would like uh, uh, in person. But that's the, the message I would give. And um, have a little bit of good food, good wine, good beer, and uh, uh, everything in moderation. Perhaps that's the message of sustainability as well. Francis, thanks for joining us. And my thanks also to our other guests, Laurent Chiron in Charente-Maritime, our butchers, Julia and Wesley in Brussels, Pierre Marcolini, the chocolatier, and Anne-Sophie de Wouters, cultivator of Christmas trees. From all of us here on the programme, a very happy, healthy and restful Christmas. And we'll be back in the new year with more episodes of Food for Europe. Until then, bon appétit. Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Der Klimawandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. 